Hello, everyone, and welcome to Burned Ambition. I am Burned Beauty 2018, and it is such a pleasure to see you here again this week. We have a very special guest. Um, her name is Shatara Penn, and she is a 30-year burn survivor. And I like that a lot because she, even in just the past week, she's been able to give me so much advice about things that she's learned over the years. She was a young adult when um, her uh, accident happened. So she spent the past 30 years dealing with it. And she's just really, really somebody's brain who you want to pick. So we'll allow you to ask questions when you want. Um, for right now, if you're watching us, please remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share so that you never miss uh, an episode and so that other people who need to see this get to see it. And with that, I would like to welcome Ms. Tatara Penn. How are you, beauty? Hi, how are you today? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for joining me today. Not a problem. It's uh, wonderful. Um, it's wonderful. And Shauna will be back in a few weeks. And um, Shatara just came and uh, just saved me from, I, I was going to um, uh, uh, podcast alone, but I had already been thinking about um, Shatara, but I was too shy to ask <laughs> because we had just met. And it just felt like, oh, it just, <laughs> could I get, it just felt like, um, like God brought us together. It was like, she said one thing, I said another, and here we sit tonight. And I am really excited to hear her story because I've known her for a week and I looked it up only briefly because I really like to learn about all my friends firsthand when I, when I can. So um, hopefully she can tell us first how it's to be so radiant and beautiful <laughs> and then tell us um, your story. You, you do look wonderful today. I mean, just wonderful. I love. Thank you. Love. And you're glowing with Thank joy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it's, 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 it's not easy. Um, you know, as you know, being someone that has been burned. We sweat differently. Um, our pain level is different. So a lot of times, you know, I can be like Dr. And Jekyll and Mr. Hyde when I'm with family, because I'll be like, I am hot. And they're like, but it's not that hot. No, you're not hot, but I'm hot. And right. I feel like it's like a thousand degrees outside. But to them, they're like, no. And they'll tell you, I have to keep um, like, a certain temperature. I'll be driving in my car in the winter and the heat will be on, but my windows crack because I don't want to overheat. Cause if I right. overheat it, I start, I feel like I got to vomit or I get a headache or, you know, so, and it's, it's these little, it really being burned and surviving it, it really changes your character and it doesn't change your character in a way that you mean to be the way that you are. It's just that you're honestly reacting to your body. And like now I'll be 50 next year 
I don't know what that's going to be like, you know, because my nerve endings are raw. They're unbalanced. I had third and first degree burns from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. And um, right. So, you know, I found over, I want to say about 2013, that my skin grafts and my skin started reacting differently to temperature. Like if I have cool air on me for a certain length of time, it's it, be, it turns into pain. It's not cooling anymore. Really? See, and I'm just learning four years in about, you know, strange sensations and things. And mm-hmm. I didn't every, but, you know, I told the story last week, y'all, of um, when I got trapped outside with my pup. But while I was out there, I got bitten by either a spider or some kind of bug. It wasn't a mosquito because the hump is like this big on my back and it got infected. But it was so painful that the next day seeing my husband to take me to the urgent care. And he's like, uh, it's a bug bite. You know, it, he couldn't understand how it could hurt that much. And it did. It hurt so much. And it was infected. It was hot. Things are different for us. Very, 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 very. Sometimes I've had paper cuts that, and you know, a paper cut is small, but guess what? It's two weeks in and it still hurts. Make it make sense. Well, make it make sense, you know, or it's still, an example, I got my nails done and I get UV gel and you know, it can burn sometimes. Well, my thumb right here is sore. I got my nails done on Saturday. Why is my thumb still sore? So guys, <laughs> experience pain, it's not in your head. No, uh, it's not. I want to talk about if, are you open to talk about what happened 30 years ago? Your story. Sure. Are yeah. you? If, yeah. if there's any point at which you want to say, uh-uh, just tell me. Because no. I don't have any words for it. I just don't know what happened. And I know that someone is going to find strength from it because something similar has happened to them. So what happened those 30 years ago? What I can tell you is um, I'm going to tell you the story, but you can't cry about it. You can't get upset about it, you know. And one thing I learned is that sometimes we go through things in life and they're not about us there to help someone else along. And even though I can be pretty introverted, I keep my circle very small. During the times if someone asks or if there's an opportunity, I'm open and honest about it. So I'm an open book, whatever you wanna know, ask whatever questions, I don't have a problem. Um, 30 years ago, I was 19. I lived in public housing. Uh, I was in hair school. on my way to Housatonic for a two-year RN program that they had at the time. And I had two small kids, you know, and this particular day, everyone was home. I was braiding my little sister's hair. And the next thing you know, we go to sleep. And when I wake up, my little sister's trying to wake me up, telling me, Tara, the house is on fire. Wake up. And when I woke up, literally everything was pitch black. And at this point, you know, I'm getting my kids out of bed because she was asleep downstairs on the couch. And the most unfortunate thing about this story 
is if I had passed away, they probably would have tried to say it was my sister's fault. And the truth of the matter is, it wasn't her fault. I had been braiding her hair the night before and she fell asleep on the couch. And the fire started from an electrical outlet that was behind the couch and it sparked and made the couch catch on fire. So she woke up to actually seeing the sofa on fire and she wakes us up. And as she was, as after she woke us up, we were on our way downstairs and I had my children. And when she opened the door, my burns are as bad as they are, but I never saw the fire. Fire never touched me. I was honestly burned by a backdraft and radiation heat. That's what it was. And here it is. Um, they saved me through a window. There were some brave people. I remember for a brief moment, my sister running house to house, knocking on doors, saying, someone, please, someone, please save my sister, save my sister. And people were like, she didn't help. No, my sister did everything she could. And from that point on, um, there were a few brave people that actually saved me. And the fire department came. Um, I went down to a good family friend, might as well say, I used to call her Aunt Pearl. I sat in her house for a while. And it's amazing how the brain and the body works. Because I'm not going to lie to you. I felt the initial pain of getting burned. And my instinct was to jump in the shower to cool off. Oh. And I went out the window yelling for help. And after they saved me, it's like I blinked out for a minute. And then next thing you know, I'm sitting in my Aunt Pearl's house and I'm saying, where are my kids? And as long as I focused on my children, I lied to you not. I didn't feel any pain. So now the ambulance get there. They walk me to the ambulance. And because I saw them bringing one of my sons to an ambulance on the stretcher, at this point, I'm fine. Um, by now, they're putting me in the ambulance and they're taking me to the hospital. And I'm going to tell you right now, that pain kicked in. And I tell anybody, if this is what hell feels like, you can go there by yourself. Because <laughs> I don't wish that pain on anybody. <laughs> and, um, they're talking to me. And I lied to you not. I just kept saying, I'm in pain. You guys have to do something. It hurts. It hurts. And when they got me... In there, I lied to you not. As long as they talked to me about my sons, the pain would go away. The minute they'd ask me a question, pain went right away. I answered all their questions. And then next thing you know, they were like, Miss Penn, I need you to count. And the next time I woke up, it was 25 days later. Uh -huh. However, during the initial coma process, um, I remember them telling my family, you guys need to go in and say your goodbyes because... We're going to give her a 50-50 chance with 24 hours to live. I interrupt because I want to tell you are one of the, we talked about this yesterday. Mm -hmm. For you guys out there who have family who are in comas, Shatara is one of the people I've talked to that remembers hearing what was being spoken around her while in the coma. So please do talk your loved ones. You heard them. Yes, I heard, I heard them. I heard them telling, you know, my family, the only thing that might help, they said she's healthy. She didn't drink. She didn't smoke, but we don't have any guarantees, you know? And um, I remember one of the funniest moments was 
a nurse telling my uncle he had to get out the room, you know, because they needed me to rest. And he was like, Shatara, let me get out of here. I'm not going to say the curse where he said, he said, because I might have to knock her out, but we need you to live. We need you to pull through, you know. And um, go ahead. You can, what were you going to say? I said they needed you to make it. Yeah, that's what he said. He was like, we need you to make it. And, you know, throughout there, there were little periods of certain things, you know, that were said. Because, you know, your family, they look at you and, you know, they were wondering, what is she going to be like? You know, um, how is she going to make it? You know, because, you know, when you initially get burned, you don't look like yourself. Like, you hear me say, I'm 30 years old, but if I went to my family and get pictures... Oh, my face didn't always look like this. You know, I, right. My face didn't always look like this. My head was the size of a pumpkin. I was just like way different. And I remember waking up and my uncle looking at me and he says, do you know how long you've been here? And I said about a week. That's because everything I could remember in total, I figured it was about a week. And he said, no, you've been in here for 25 days. And he had been marking on the calendar. And um, I just remember going really silent after that because now I'm looking at my arm and I'm like, what did they do to my arm? Right. Why can I not walk? I walked. What's going on? You know, at this point, everything's coming down on me like a ton of bricks. And I don't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to see family. I didn't want to see nothing. So now I look at my uncle and I says, can you give me the doctor, please? And when the doctor came in, I the only thing I said to him was, why can't I walk? And that's when he told me. I was like, okay, what's going on with my arm? And that's when he explained to me that um, this particular, let's see, I'm trying to make it to where you can see it. I don't, okay, there we go. This skin graft goes from the top of my arm all the way down my hand. And uh, they explained to me that they had to split my arm open to get the circulation going. And that if they hadn't, they would have had to amputate it. So, you know, they're explaining all this to me. Then my next question are, where are my kids? This is what I'm thinking mentally. Where are my kids? Because at this point, I'm dealing with it. I'm like, okay, this is what happened. My uncle's talking to me. And um, psychologically, I'm going to say our mind knows how to protect us because there were two beautiful pictures of my children in my window ledge. But I would never look, you know, to my right. I wouldn't look to my right, but I was asking questions. And finally, um, I remember being asleep because the medication they put us on to help us cope with the pain, it makes you high. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, cross-eyed high, you know, so they would give me the morphine and everything else. And I'd be like, all right, my uncle would say, Tara, just close your eyes. And I would do it. But he started warning visitors, watch what you say, because she's not asleep. She hears you. Be careful what you say. And one day someone came in my room and says, I wonder if she remembers. How are we going to tell her? And I remember him saying, not now. No. So finally, I asked the hard question, where are my kids? How many kids? There were two boys. Their names were Jaquan and Lance, and they were three years and 18 months at the time. 
And um, before I could even begin to deal with my burns, before I could even begin to grasp life in itself and what was going on, I needed I needed a question answered. Where the hell are my kids? You know, and no one wanted to answer that question. And then my uncle, I swear, I, I love the man to death. I, I, I've never been able to show him how much I love him because he did not lie to me. Everybody else would tiptoe around stuff. But my uncle, he's a straight shooter. And he was like, Shatara, they passed in the fire. They passed from smoke inhalation. And he was like, I need you. I need you to tell me what happened. What what happened? You know, and that's when he told me, you know, some of the accusations against my sister. And, you know, that's when he started telling me, you know, explain your scars. Why is your left side burned more than the right? What what were you doing? And, you know, he asked me those hard questions. And after I answered, it made sense to him. And now I got to figure out what am I going to do? Because now I don't woke up to find out not only can I not walk, I don't have use of my arm, um, and I'm not a mother anymore. So it's like, okay, wh which part of this list do we pick apart first? You know? And I just remember saying a prayer and I said, listen, God, yeah. I said, I need some help. I said, uh, as a mom, I need to know that my kids are okay. I, I don't care about the burns. I don't care about none of this. I, I just need to know that they're okay. Cause this doesn't feel right. I feel like they're on this vacation and I just can't go see them. I, I, I need you to make me make, you know how they say, help me help you. God, I need you to help me because I need to make some sense of this. Right. And um, I had this very beautiful dream that night and it gave me, you know, a sense of peace. And after that, that's when that road to recovery started. And I tell people when I see little babies learning how to walk, Jesus, the pain that comes in my body, because <laughs> I don't wish learning how to walk on anybody. That means this yeah, to this day, I still walk very heavy footed. If you hear me in heels, you'll swear I weigh a ton because I walk so hard. And the best way I can explain it is my legs feel like they weigh about 500 pounds each, you know, but to I, look I, at me, they're like, nah. I walk, um, learning to walk again was definitely one of the most challenging things I've ever done. And it's because you're not really learning to walk again. The first time you learn, you don't learn. It's inherent. You're a baby. You're developing. This is what you do. You know? <laughs> right. It's like, yeah, I got this. I can do this. You fall, you get back up, you, 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 you figure it out. Right. It's just Right. When you're 45 and they're holding you up with the strap and you're trying to learn to walk, it is very, very challenging. So um, you're... You, you know what I enjoyed the most, though, being in the hospital? Um, I enjoyed my, did you ever have to sit in the whirlpool? Yeah. They would clean your burns. I'm not going to lie to you. To this day, 
I still love a nice good bath with some Epsom salt and a little bleach. That same concoction they use to keep us from getting infections. I still do. I still do that. <laughs> you know, like I still do that. Um, but the people that took care of me, they would talk to me. Are you still going to be a nurse? You know, what do you want to do now? You know, um, we understand you like to do hair. And there was one doctor, he came in, he says, listen, he said, your life will be what you make it. Yep. He said, I'll tell you right now, you can never have kids again. He said, your body has received so much trauma. Is that right? He said, it's not that there's something wrong with you internally. He said, but your body received so much trauma, you're going to almost die trying to give birth. And he was like, we don't think you'll ever have use of your left arm again, because at this point, you know, we got the skin graft and you know how tight those can be. I can't yeah. even touch my shoulder. Nevertheless, make a fist. Right. And um, he was like, you might want to rethink what you're going to do. And I'm going to tell you right now, at 19, I've lost my kids. Now you've declared me legally disabled and told me I can never work again. Make it make sense. <laughs> you know? So I was on a hell of a roller coaster for a long time because I'm like, this can't be my life. You got to be joking. I, 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 I'm not going to be able to. I, I can't. And, you know, I went through that. I'm not going to even say it was a pity party stage. I literally got down to like 98 pounds because I could not eat and I didn't have anorexia. I didn't have starvation. I had insomnia because you got to remember when I got burned, I was asleep. My sister woke me up. Uh, you see, so, you know, sleeping all night for me, it's, it's it, you know, we're still, the court is still out on that. The jury's still trying to figure out how that works for me. And, um, you know, I didn't want to eat. I didn't want to sleep because, again, before dealing with the fact that I'm burned, you know, and at that time I couldn't go places because some people would recognize me and go, oh, my gosh, you're that girl that lost her two kids, not the girl that survived and made it, you know. So I got people talking to me. Right. You're talking to me like I'm this victim who lost two kids when I actually survived so much, you know, and it was hard that 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 part was hard because, again, Dealing with the burns itself, it's had to, yeah, because now, before I could even realize, okay, I'm burned, now I'm looking at myself like, this is how my children left me. The burns represent the day they passed. The burns represent, you know, me no longer being a mother. And I come from a really large family, and we have a lot of kids, you know? So now you got birthdays coming and I'm looking around and my kids aren't there. Um, I have a best friend that I've been best friends with since childhood. Her birthday is literally the day that my children passed. And she was coming to visit me from college. So now every year on her birthday, her name is Oni. Oni's calling me saying, Shatara, are you okay? Do you need anything? Are you all right? I'm so sorry. And I couldn't... I'm like, Oni, I'm going to be all right, you know? Yeah. And then one day she literally had to tell me, I said, Oni, when's your birthday? We never celebrate your birthday. 
And she says, oh my gosh, Tara, my godson passed on my birthday. And now, you know, I had to make it a conscious decision on her birthday. It's this race. She's calling me to say, how are you handling it this year on their death anniversary? And I'm calling her to say, hey, we're getting old. Happy birthday. You know? And it's like, when I tell you the journey has been so much, because I went through this phase of, okay, how do I dress? How do I wear my hair? You know? Um, now it's, I don't want to go to nursing school anymore because nurses to me in the burn unit, they seem overworked. They seem stressed. Quite a few of them used to hide in my room when they wanted to get away. So I was like, well, if this is what nursing is going to be, nah, I don't want that. So I took a different route and I became a CNA. This way I could still have hands on, but still help. Right. And then afterwards, um, I found out I was pregnant with my oldest son. And that right there was like, oh, boy, how does this work? Because, you know, you couldn't have kids. No, they, no, they told me I could have them. They just told me they were like, if you go to give birth, we don't know if you're going to make it. You know, oh, right. You might not make it. Right. How many, how many kids do you have? I have four beautiful kids. And it's so funny because they literally go boy, girl, boy, girl, you know, and yeah. one of the things that was really funny about having these kids is my oldest son as a baby, he looks so much like one of my sons that passed away. So now, you know, I got this kid and he looks like one of my sons. It's like, okay. So now I have this other hurdle of, People saying, oh, my gosh, he looks so much like Lance. And I'm saying, no, but he's Parrish. Uh, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I, need, I need for Parrish to be Parrish. And uh, I'll, never, I'll never forget giving birth yeah. to Parrish. His yeah. father wished he was a girl because he was like, she already had boys. We need her to have girls so that way things will be different. You know? uh, <laughs> but guess what? Parrish came. And then um, I have my oldest daughter, Paige. And guess what? She resembles one of my sons that passed, the oldest one. So, you know, there was these different hurdles of that. And then it was also every year that they got older, that part was hard. And my kids, if they ever see this, they're going to realize I mothered them differently. Right. I loved them differently. And it was because I was all I wasn't sure if I lose it. Because remember, my other two children, they passed at three years and 18 months. Right. So when Parrish turned four, it was like four. You know? Like and it, it, you know what I'm saying? It's like, wow, he's four. Okay, okay. You know, but at the same time, you dealing with these emotions of my baby is grabbing at my hand. You know, because he notices something about his mommy is different. One hand looks different than the other, you know, um, or he's touching my face. He probably he would never remember because he was so small. Any place that I had a scar, like if I had shorts or something on around him. My son would walk up to me and he's touching my leg as if to say, mommy, 
what happened here? You know, you, you look different. Something's not right. You don't look like the other mommies, you know? And after my kids, after I actually gave birth to all of them, I had to have that conversation with them. You know, your mom's not like everybody else. Emotionally, I'm not like everyone else. You know, sometimes I could be the sweetest person, but then there are other times where you'd be like, you know what? Don't say nothing to that girl. And it's not even done on purposely. I call it a rubber band ball. Like, you know, the rubber band balls that we keep in the office? Oh, yeah, this detention ball. Right. And I say, you know, if you pop one of those, uh-oh, you understand what I'm saying? At, at certain times, you know, I'm just like highly upset and I'm agitated and I wasn't feeling okay. And then something would say, look at the dates, because I don't know about you, but I became a master. I could know what time it was and I have a pretty good memory. So I knew around the seasons and the dates, but narrow down an exact date, nah, I didn't want, I didn't like it because the closer it got, Jaquan's birthday is November 3rd. Lance's birthday is January 5th. They passed May 22nd. So whenever those dates came around, I noticed that emotionally I was a little different and my body would react differently. And it's like subconsciously, my body would say to me, I need you to stop. You're going to deal with this. You know, this is what happened to you. No amount of work, no amount of school could deal with this. I mean, we're talking nine years into this and I'm like, why am I still feeling this? Why am I still crying like this? Why is my body still hurting like this? I'm going to the doctor and they're like, Miss Penn, you're totally healthy. You know, we can't find nothing wrong. And then finally, one doctor said to me, Miss Penn, your body's not going to react like everybody else's. You know, pain for you is going to be different. Your, your nerve endings are raw. They're unbalanced. You know, so as you get older, he said, you're a woman. So as your hormones change, your body's probably going to change. It's going to react differently. Like, um, I know gaining weight. Yeah. All of a sudden, I don't know if you've ever felt this, but sometimes your body is just achy all over and it just won't stop. You don't even feel like getting out of bed. I'm, I mean, people say I need a mental day. No, I need a body day. I just need to lay in the bed and I don't want to be bothered. And, you know, and I look like there's nothing wrong with me, but I know what I'm feeling. And you know what it is? Yeah. I got to stand on this scale. Shatara, have you gained any weight? Because they don't know this probably, but skin grafts over time, they do stretch the skin to place it on us. But it tries to contract. And when it starts to contract again, guess what? We're in pain. So when it stretches, so when they say skin grafts don't stretch, you know, like I gained a considerable amount of weight that I'm carrying right now, which is why I'm always I'm working at it, girl, with all the medicine I take. It's like it's the cookie by the or the cake that I ate last night. <laughs> I've got a I got a problem with sugar, y'all. I'm telling you, I'm a good woman, I'm a godly woman, but do not bring a pie. So, like, you know, just don't do it. I'm going to eat it. But 
why your skin grafts don't stretch. And that's why you're hurting so much. You've gained all this weight because I was a little bit when these grafts were put on. Mm -hmm. And um, now I'm so much bigger. And the doctor just looked at me the first time he saw me after COVID and said, that must hurt so much. I was like, what? Because I've been trying to figure out why am I? Why am I in pain? Right. Why is my body hurting? Why, you know, and it just doesn't hurt to where you're achy, but it's even sore to touch. Like if somebody, I don't know about you, but I know I'm sensitive to fabrics that time. Like here it is. I wear stockings or footless stockings under my pants in the summer. Everybody's into Spanx and all this other stuff. No, you'll be like, Tamar, why are you putting those on under your pants? Because my jeans or whatever the fabric against my skin, it makes my skin sore. I don't like how it always feels. It could be silk. It, it doesn't it doesn't feel right. After a while, something that should be pleasurable, it just turns into straight pain, you know? And like yourself, I was... Yeah, like, like yourself, no. I weighed, uh, I want to say when I got burned, I was between like 115, 125, because uh-huh. I was 19. But now I'm having kids. Yeah. Each child, I'm gaining weight and I'm gaining weight. And with that last one, I've never weighed over 200 pounds in my life. But guess what? After then. giving birth to Peyton, oh, okay, I was at 220, 205. Uh-huh. Then after the passing of my mom, I just woke up one day and I weighed 237 pounds. Yeah. I said, no, look, this is why my arm hurts. This is why my back hurts. This is why my left leg is killing me. This is why my left knee is bothering me. Because you know what? Those are places where I have large skin grafts. Right. And, you know, it's not like our skin that we born that we're born with that skin stretches with us it grows with us however our skin grafts do not it's used to being stretched when they very first do it but then once they place it it's gonna forever try to contract it doesn't you know want to stay because it wants to go back to its original shape and we have to deal with that so and it it, it could be a booger when you started your story, you said, I'll tell you the story, but don't cry. And I thought, well, oh, yeah, I'm going to cry. And then, but you told your story in a manner that I felt it, but I also feel you. I feel your positivity. I didn't cry. I didn't well up. And I cry in everything. God, listen, everybody on here watching right now. <laughs> I cried everything, but it wasn't always that way. My first and only husband that I've had thus far, um, I commend him because he was brave and he married a very broken woman. But I was one of those. Have you ever heard of a functional depressant? Yeah, like a functional alcoholic or functional. Yeah, I, I would excel at work. I'm doing this, I'm doing that, and I'm doing all of this stuff. But then there were times when emotionally I'm crashing. I'm laying in the bed and I'm just this big ball of tears, 
you know? And the positivity came from me helping others, me being there for others, me, you know, if some, someone can call me one o'clock in the morning and be like, Tara, I don't have any food. I need this. I need that. Guess what? I'll do it. Okay. You know why? Because it keeps me busy. But it came a period in my life where I could not do that anymore. I had to look myself in the mirror and say, Shatar, you're a wife. You have kids. And guess what? Um, you need to figure some stuff out. Like they have to come okay. first. And I thank God, because I have a really good friend named Janitha. There were many a days when I cried to her, you know, yeah. and you know how they say it takes a village to raise your children. No, it took a village to raise me after yeah. 19, yeah. you know, because I listen, I have a very small circle of friends. I tell people all the time, I have two best friends named Faith and yeah. I think God made sure one day I I was upset about my mom not being here. It was my youngest daughter's birthday and my mom, she hadn't even been dead, not even a full six months. And I just remember we took a picture for my daughter's birthday and one faith was to my right, one faith was to my left. And it's a faith on the screen that's saying good vibes, good job. Is that your you and. That that might be her, and here it is. Um, it let me know that I had a double dose of faith because what's the chances of myself meeting them at two different times? And they're both name are they're both name or faith. And here it is. I had them. I had my sister. I had you know, um, you know. I have a friend by the name of Terry. You know, my friend Oni. And when I tell you my circle is really, really small, I have Janitha, I have Tracy, I have Princess, and some of them are older. But you want to know something? If I got in a funk, one of them are going to pull me out. That's good to have the village. Now, I have a question, mm -hmm. and I'm pulling back, and, I, and I'm pulling back for a reason. It's okay. I want, I know there's a mother out there who's going to go through this or is going through it right now. Mm -hmm. And I know it's taken you, it's been 30 years, but something that you and I talked about independently was um, um, Madam Dimple says, yes, she's one of the face, one of the face of virtual hugs. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's been talking to you. Um, but, you're in the burn unit trying to live and your children have been buried. Mm -hmm. And and so what do you do when you, uh, I can't figure it out. How do you- Listen, I was mean in the burn unit. Do you hear me? There was a nurse that I told her that when I was able to walk, I told her I was going to do thing one, thing two, and thing three to her. I did not like her. And I'm going to tell you why I didn't like her. <laughs> when they did my, some of the graphs came from my stomach and some came from my back. Uh, so it was like I was this guinea pig because they initially put artificial skin on me. And a lot of people don't know that all skin grafts are not human skin. 
So when they when I initially came in, they took some skin off enough to do my left arm, but they didn't have enough to do my leg. So the artificial skin they did put on there, it actually came off. They were like, she was too healthy for it. It, it, it wouldn't stick. And you know, when they give us those grafts, they got to use those big staples and stuff. So you already know what that's like. And um, when they went to redo my hip again, the doctor said the purposes of us doing the skin grafts is to make you heal quicker. Because a lot of people don't know this, but most burn people that do sustain a lot of burns, sometimes they die from the burns, but a good percentage of them die from infection that ends up getting in the burns. That was my biggest thing with my type of burns and mine were fourth degree. So and, wounds and uh, infection was my, it still is mine. And that's what, right. And that's what the skin grafting was about. So now I said, okay, you can do it, but do not take it from my back. And no one understood why I said that. And the reason why I said that was because my family wasn't around. And at this time I was in ICU and the nurse says, okay. She was like, we got to change your dressing. And you know how they put that, that gauze on us that has like the, uh, in that ointment on it. And it's like a little greasy, you know what I'm talking about? So they had left it up there a little too long. And you know how our burns are at this point, they're fresh, they're draining. They, they stick to you. Yeah. And this broad had three CNAs turn me to my side and she just snatched it off. Jesus, I called, I cussed that woman out so bad. She wouldn't even, she wouldn't even come in the room. I told, I said, the day I'm ever able to walk, I told her exactly what I was going to do. And I was mean. You hear when I tell you I was mean, I was mean. And you know, because of the loss of your kids or because you were there? But are you that's Listen, I was just mean altogether. I, 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 I was just mean. Right, I was just mean. Literally, I was a mean. I was just mean. I'm going to tell you right now, my mother used to say, leave that girl alone. And in her words, she's like, she's a Leo. And if you piss her off, she's going to go for your juggler. Shatara's a bitch. That's exactly what she used to say. And I never understood what she was saying. But now I'm way better at controlling my temper. But I'm not going to lie to you. I was just mean. I did. And I wasn't one of those mean girls that like picked on people. I just was like, no nonsense. Like, whatever. I, I don't have time for this, you know. And what? she snatched that thing off my back. I did not like her. So, you know, that's why I said psychologically, mm-hmm. we're trying to deal with so much. I have to deal with my poor mom. She went through hell with me. I, when I tell you my mother went through hell, oh my gosh. She had a toddler in a 19-year-old's body because I was just all over, just nasty, just right. mean. Right, because I'm in pain. I can't walk. My kids aren't here. They're telling me I can't do hair anymore. You know, how do you go to cosmetology school and now you can't do hair? You know, so I I had so many layers. That's that rubber band ball I told you about. And if you pop one of those rubber bands, boy, everybody knew that that band popped. So, you know. Uh, I'd like to go back and watch them. There's an episode of Burned Ambition with Chloe McNeil. 
mm-hmm. who was uh, a cosmetology student mm-hmm. and her is not yet settled, but she was at a red light and a stranger doused her with gasoline and set her on fire inside the car. I want you to watch that because you remind me of her. You're both so positive because you were in the house fire, right? Mm -hmm. 30 years ago, you're in the house fire and your kids aren't there anymore. Did everyone else make it out of that fire or was it a big building? No, Uh, it was, it was a um, two floor complex. They, they were kind of like row houses sort of. My sister made it out and I'm going to tell you that fire, it, really changed relationships like to this day i love my baby sister but we're talking the fire happened in 1993 and we're gonna fast forward to 2004 and she and i got into this little tiff you know i'm not gonna disclose what it was but this girl stood flat-footed in my house and she whipped her head around and said i know you blame me for your kids dying. What? Where did that come from? Because you're saying this is 2004. This happened in 1993. And I was like, no, why would you think that? And then as I talked to my sister during that period that I was in the coma, people were blaming her. I heard it was told to me that if I had died, that they were trying to accuse my sister of trying to murder me and her two nephews. Make it make sense. You understand what I'm saying? My little sister looked up to me like a mother, you know? And so within the family dynamics in itself, you know, you just have so much to deal with. I've literally gotten into arguments and heard someone say, that's why your kids are dead. Wow. You have nothing else, right? You have nothing else better to say, you know. And then you know what that lawsuit, right? But then you got to deal with the lawsuit aspect because at that time, because right, because where I lived was a part of um, housing authority for the city. Guess what? Now I got lawyers calling me, and they're trying to offer me money to take the case. Right? Like, hold up, I can't even walk yet. I don't. I don't. Yeah, there's a nice lady by the name of Diana Esposito. She was the one who won the case. And you know why she won it? It wasn't even the fact that she was a woman. When she came to see me that day in the hospital, she looked at me. She said, I cannot imagine what you are going through. She said, how are you today? How are you feeling? And she sat there. She didn't ask any other questions after that. She actually watched TV with me for a little while. And then she says, she says, you know what? She said, you've gone through a lot. She said, you're going to have a lot of people wanting to talk to you. She said, but what I'll tell you is this. If you want me to represent you, she said, I will do it to the best of my ability. And I will only do what you ask. Because the other component of that was, now you have a wrongful death lawsuit. Now you have the lawsuit of me being burned. And I lied to you not. I told her, you can sue him for whatever you want, but give the money wherever you give it. That's blood money. I don't want it. 
Well, what, what am I going to do with it? I, I, I don't want it. What am I going to do with it? You know, it's it's like I I think I could have probably looked at the money in a different way if I hadn't lost children. But in all honesty, I was like, I don't want that. And I'm going to tell you right now, I gave so much of it away to people to doing whatever, because in my world, I just wanted it to go away. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much money you pay me. I still wear scars of how my children left. I still have to wake up sometime out of my sleep going, <laughs> trying to catch my breath because from where you guys intubated me, you put the tubing down there and it created scar tissue. And they tried to tell me that, I would, no, there's nothing wrong with your throat. Yeah, it is. My voice wasn't always this deep. I can't right. sing. I it, can't walk up a flight of stairs. It, it happens I think it happens to almost all of this. You saw me yesterday. I can't walk up the stairs and talk at the same time. And I yeah. Uh, Y'all yeah. don't know. I was uh, in another life. I was a personal trainer. I was fit. Okay. So I can see that. Nonsense. <laughs> I didn't eat cake. And, but the point is, it was that uh, the trach, I, I combed down, the trach um, changed mm -hmm. everything. Your voice is raspy, you know? Right, right, right. And yet sometimes, like, depending on what's in the air, it it starts, it gives you these coughing fits to where yeah. it's almost like you're having a heart attack. You're like, <laughs> you can't catch your breath. And it's like, everybody's looking at me like, is she okay? Is she okay? I'm okay. I'm okay. You know, but it's like, what do you do? Or better yet, one of the side effects of this right here is I have one too. 2013. <laughs> no, look, look, 2012. I caught pleurisy. Seriously? <laughs> right. Let me tell you what it is. And my God sister, my God sister, Faith, she's so good. Oh my gosh, she's so good. Because let me tell you, I'm scaring the hell. I we, we're hiding this from my mother, you know, just so you know. Because <laughs> at this point, my mother's still alive, and I'm telling her, "Listen, I got these chest pains, and I can't. I feel like I can't breathe, you know. <laughs> That's just what I'm saying." And my sister's like, "Here's my sister Shakima. You need to go to the hospital." And I'm like, "No, I'm fine. I'll be okay, you know, whatever, whatever." And my best friend Faith is like, "This is the other Faith. We're gonna say Faith." Faith T and Faith N, because that's how they are. Faith Thompson, Faith Martin. So now I got Faith Thompson saying, Shatara, if you don't cut the bullshit and just go to the doctor, what's wrong with you? You know, so one day I come home from work and I literally, it felt like I was having a heart attack. I was like, I couldn't even get the full breath in. So now it's this favorite little ER that my god sister introduced me to, and it's on Goose Lane. So we nicknamed it Goose Lane. She shoots me to Goose Lane, and now, I don't know about you, but wherever you have grafts at, they act like they're very afraid to touch them. They don't want to stick them. They don't, they don't want to do blood pressure on them. Right. It's like, it's like, oh, that's taboo. Don't, don't, don't do this, you know? And now they're taking my blood pressure, and my blood pressure was sky high. So before we could even get to me not being able to breathe, the woman's like, do you have a headache? Do you feel numb? Anything mm -hmm. wrong with you? You know, and I'm like, I'm in pain. And she's like, no, you're in stroke mode. 
your blood pressure is too high. Why people like you or from the illness? No, from this right here is this is the pain. Our and I say that to say this: our body has received so much pain from our burns that our pain level it registers differently. Yeah, and depending sure. on the type of pain, my blood pressure will be as high as like three hundred and something over one ninety something. Oh no, ma'am. Yeah, right. And when you tell people this, they're like, she's crazy as hell. That didn't happen. No, my god sister was there. She saw it. She looked over at the machine, you know. And the nurse was like, Why is your blood pressure so high? I said, Because I'm in pain. I, I you gotta do something, and I can't breathe. So now here's the layer. Well, you do have scar tissue in your lungs from smoke inhalation, you know, all this other stuff. And I'm like, that's not it. I know what that feels like. This is different. I cannot breathe. I have this horrible pain in my chest. So now we're going to fast forward to x-ray and everything. And this nice little doctor comes in. He says, ma'am, you have pleurisy. Uh, can you give me the definition of that? That's a pretty yeah. big word. I know some medical terminology, but not that. You he said, no, look, he said, your lung is inflamed. He said, because... You've had a tracheotomy. Uh -huh. You know this. You can inhale, but oh. you can't fully exhale. So in the winter time, I'm queen of scarves now because I need to cover my face to not inhale so much cold air because I can't exhale the air properly. It gets trapped in my lungs and it was causing them to be inflamed. So I had to go home with 800 milligram Motrin and take it for a week until the inflammation went down. Now, the joke of the day is I left the ER, took the Motrin and went straight into work. My sister dropped me off at work and picked me up in the morning. Is that what you do? Is that how you get through? Because it seems to me like you don't stop. Who's Rinaldi? Rinaldi Dixon, the women in my wife and sister-in-law's family are the strongest women I know. Oh, Rinaldi's actually my brother-in-law. That's my brother-in-law. I call him Uncle Rinaldi. That, that, that's Uncle Rinaldi. He, listen, he's been around since, Lord, I can't tell you. So whatever that means, tell you, nine times out of ten, he's 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 spot on. He's, he's, he's the best. Yeah, that um, is and, and to tap into what he's saying, he's saying that, you know, we're strong, but in all honesty, we're strong because we have to be. And in having my other children, I say parish opened the door to make me want to have children. Because like you said, I'm looking at burns every day. I'm looking at these scars every day. And I don't want to be bothered. I mean, I'm just like, what is this life supposed to be like? You know, I went through this phase of only wearing long sleeve shirts. You know, because I got tired of people staring at me, right. you know, they're looking and sometimes they ask questions, sometimes they don't, or better yet, they just stare at us like we're freaks of nature. When right. we didn't right. ask for this to happen to us, I didn't ask to be burned. I didn't ask for these scars. And I think one of the moments that helped me maintain positivity, we went to Daytona Beach and this is the year of 1999. We went for college weekend. And it was like this little girl's trip and we all went. And this is going to make you giggle. We're on the beach. 
And I didn't have on a bikini, but I had on some short shorts. Yeah, I had my little shorts on. I got my little sneakers on. I got my little t-shirt on. And people are turning and looking. And there were two reactions. My best friend's niece was saying, what are you looking at? My other, my girlfriend, Faith T, she turns around and said, oh, don't mind it. She's just a little overcooked. She's just well done. She's okay. She's well done. <laughs> I will never forget that. That was hilarious because in my world, I'm with them. We're there to have fun, you know? Yeah. So I'm not paying attention to the onlookers. I'm not, you know, looking around to, you know, see this stuff, but they're catching it. And that's why I say, it took a village to raise me. I had so many different people came into my life and, you know, they protected me. They dealt with me through my emotional roller coaster, my mental roller coaster, because I'm telling you right now, I went through this phase where I said, I am never, ever having kids again in my life. I don't want to, I'm done. One more kids, you know, sorry, you want to be a nurse? No. Shar, you ever going to do hair again? No. Shar, you going to do makeup again? No. But you want to know something? Uh-huh. I do. Little cousin, name Prince. He made uh -huh. me walk. I, I literally came home with a walker, bandages from my ankles up to my thighs, my left arm wrapped up. And when I see Prince, oh my gosh, if he was to ever see this, he probably doesn't even notice because he was so small when I got Bernie. I don't even think he was even four years old, but I know he was really small. And he was one of those type of kids. He wants what he wants. And he was very, very demanding. So if he zoomed in on you, guess what? You're going to do it. He doesn't care if his mother's there, his father's there. He wants you. And you right. know what he would do? He'd take me by my finger and he pulled me from wherever I was without my walker, okay? Physical therapy didn't teach me how to walk. A little kid did. Right. And he'd hold my finger, make me walk with him. And then after I get him whatever he want, he'd just walk off. So now I'm stranded. <laughs> you know? Right. Well, she'll lead them, right? So right. we want to stop. We're almost out of time because this has been so positive. I'm shocked at how much positivity you have, even though I've been talking to you. But one of the main things I focus on mm -hmm. is, you know how you said, you know, you don't want to, you've lost everything. And to the person like me who's lost everything, you've lost your face and you think that's your everything. Mm -hmm. You're a mother and you've lost your family. Mm -hmm. And you're out there right now, right now it's happening to you. The thing that I find is that once you get through it, once you're healing, you know, you get through the worst part and you're at home, that's where it really hits you. That's where the depression yeah. really hit me because the question in my mind was, what's next? Yeah, what's next? What do you do? Right, because I didn't want to be a realtor anymore. I no. was outside. I didn't want to be right. safe. I could tell you all the things I didn't want to do, but I couldn't right. do a single thing that I did. So now when I talk to people, I'll um, them what's next. And that is my last question of you this evening. Bro. 
out of time, but what is next? Because you have, I want people to know you've already accomplished a lot in these 30 years. Um, uh, Shatara helps individuals um, with special needs overnight. She's a property manager. There's no moss growing under her feet. She is busy. She is doing things. She's got a lot. But there's still a next. I Believe it or not, I think my next is 50 and trying something different because I'm a creature of habit. And I take breaks. Like, I'll be doing something, and next thing you know, you'll be like, Tara, where you at? I think I need to stay home for a little while. I'll literally just come out of work and be like, I need to stay home for a while. I got to regroup. And I'll be 49 in August, but you want to know something? I think what's next for me is talking to people like yourself, because when I very first got burned, they asked me to volunteer at the burn unit. They asked me to do that, and I tried it. But because what I had to deal with was so fresh and raw, I couldn't. And here it is, you know, talking to you, you made me want to cry because like you said, there wasn't anyone like you. There wasn't anyone that looked like you. You know, everyone's talking about inclusion and representation. Right. And we have to have that presence. Right. Like right now, I, I I can't, the way you can draw your eyebrows and put makeup on, I'm here to tell you, sis, I could give you some curls and, but right now, no, if you ask me to contour and do all of this, <laughs> I, I listen, I'm sweating so bad. I'm telling you, I don't know about you, but I need a shower after the shower. I need a bath after the bath because I'm sweating so bad and I'm so hot. I got to lay under a fan at least a half hour before I could even think about mm-hmm. doing anything else. So I think, you know, the next for me is, okay, maybe reach help. out to people, maybe let them know, you know, Hey, this is what happens. It's granted. All of us have gotten burned in a different way, but physically, emotionally, mentally, I don't care what kind of strength we have, we all still go through this at some point in time. And people need to know you're not by yourself. We're here. We're here. And I'm glad. Have you told your story like we're doing right now for anyone else? It's been 30 years. Have you told your story? No. When I tell you I am to myself, I'll tell you in a minute, sometimes I like people, sometimes I don't. And it's just, sometimes I want to be bothered. Sometimes I don't. I have a friend named Stacy and uh, she told me she's going to write a book about my life. It's so funny, but I'll tell you the biggest part is, you know, one thing that people know of me is that if you need me, you call me because I can go months without talking to you. I can go years without talking to you, but if you pick up the phone and call me, it's like we never disconnected. And part of that is because guess what? I stay in a bubble. I like my girlfriend, Faith T says it best. Just leave me in my little hub. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm still discovering things about myself. So, you know, it's going to be interesting, you know, to see, because the thought of doing this, I didn't have anxiety talking to you because we can have conversation. That's, you know, that's, that's girls. That's what we do. 
But when you ever said, can you tell me something about yourself? Write a couple of paragraphs. Jesus, you were asking too much of me. I was like, I don't talk about myself like that. What you doing? I don't even know what to say. And I called my girlfriend, Stacy, and I was like, I need help. I literally texted her and said, help. If I didn't get it from her, I was getting ready to text Janita. Janita, I need some help. This lady wants me to say something and I don't know what to say. Right. I read it for you last night. I was like, uh-uh, that was look, 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 says the woman who can sit here and just talk to you for the last hour. And now you ask me to tell you something about me. And I'm like, um, I don't know about that, you know? So yeah. you're the first. It was a pleasure, you know? And um, But before I let you, I'm going to give you the last word. You've, in these 30 years, you've not told your story. You told it for me today. Mm-hmm. And um, and yet Madam Dimple says this is the first time that I've heard it in her own words in 30 years. Thank you for having her on, on your platform. Um, can I yeah. call you? No, that's my sister. And if you talk to her, like I said, because it's 30 years, that 25 days that I was in the hospital, you would probably need at least three different segments just to get through that. Because, you know, she was actually one of the babysitters for my sons that passed away because I went to school. I went to work, but my mom kept my kids and my sisters and my brothers would help them while I got to do this. So now, you know, she's getting this phone call that her oldest sister might not make it and that her two nephews aren't here. She's in high school. She doesn't want to go to school anymore. She doesn't want to do anything because all she wants to do is be by my side because she doesn't know if I'm going to make it. You see what I'm saying? I do. And I would like to, we're, we're going to have to sign off tonight, but there's a lot. You have, you are a 30-year survivor, and you know so much more than I do about being a burn survivor. However, I can help you unpack some of these thoughts because I'm listening to you and I'm a growth coach. Did you bet you didn't know that, right? <laughs> So I've been listening and been thinking one of the best things for you guys who are watching, I know we're taking extra time, we might get cut off, but is to tell your story. It is healing when you keep telling your story and keep telling mm-hmm. your story until you're okay with your story and, and until you realize that when you tell your story, people are touched. Right, it's a family trauma that you experienced. So maybe we'll continue talking just individually and we'll unpack some of those thoughts that you're having and we'll come back to it. But not like, I'm not like loopy. I just want to chit chat. (laughs) You know what's so funny? This started out with me wanting to be there for you, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's so funny because I honestly, selflessly, I didn't think about me. I didn't think about, you know, oh, this, I get a chance to do this. No, I was just like, you notice, I kept saying, whenever you're ready, whenever you want to talk, whatever you need me for, I'll be here as best I can. I don't have all the answers, but you want to know what? I can just only tell you what I've gone through and what works for me. Like the Tylenol, I told you about the pain the other night. Get some Tylenol arthritis. It does wonders. So So I have a charity named Burn Beauty Inc. You and I will talk off camera. 
okay. about that. Um, okay. I'm also talking to the Phoenix Society this Friday. So I don't know about what. <laughs> but I'm excited about it. So Lucy, I, think I think you have a lot to offer. And let's finish with what's, what anything that you'd like to say to the people listening right now. Anything you'd like them to know about how to survive. You know how you survive? You get up and you take one day at a time. No one can tell you how long it's going to hurt. No one can tell you, oh, well, they told me it would take two years before I can walk again. Well, thanks to Little Prince, I was walking in less than two months. You know, take it one day at a time and never give up. Don't get me wrong. You're going to have a month or two to just cry and not be bothered. But you have to make the decision that you're going to be a victor and not a victim. Right. Because remember, they declared me legally disabled at 19. Told me I would never walk again, never walk it. So I had to make a choice. Yeah. Our survival is about our choice. If we want to survive, go through your period of grief, but then start taking little bricks step by step. And yep. that's that's the best way to do it. There's no because there's no easy route. Shoot. I pushed something I didn't mean to. <laughs> That's okay. I didn't leave yet. <laughs> Survival, <laughs> listen, there's no book. There's no blueprint. Yeah, they got, you know, Microsoft for dummies. You know how we see those little books. There's no book to survival, especially not with Burns. There's no book to losing family. Here it is. We have to learn it. We have to live with it. And the first part of it is accepting I'm different. This happened. What do I do next? Where am I going to go? I'm still learning. I'm st honestly, I'm still learning. I'm still unpacking my suitcase. What I've learned to do is not treat others like they pack the suitcase and take right. stuff out on them. You know, right. <laughs> that, that's, that's the good part. I'm better at dealing with my stuff, you know, and if you need counseling, Go for counseling. If you need someone to talk to and you don't trust a counselor, find that person that you are able to talk to. Right. I tell you right now, my friend Janitha and my friend Stacy, Lord Jesus, and my girlfriend Faith Thompson, there are conversations I've had with them that no one's never known of. Yeah. And you know, that's because they were willing to listen. And I think that's important to have someone who you trust enough to tell your fears. You know what? Guess what? Look at me on this video right now. If you look at the left side of my face, sometimes depending on the angle, it almost looks like I had a stroke, but I didn't. Yeah. Those are my scars. You know? Mm -hmm. So the fears that mm -hmm. you have, the things that you're self-conscious about, find someone who you can confide in them about that because one, you get that fear out in the open. Two, now they can help you work through it. That's awesome. That That's the catch. That is the catch. We're going to have, I don't believe you've seen Shakara for the last time. Well, <laughs> we're going to talk with her some more, but for today, her beauty is out of time. So please, please, please subscribe, like, share, comment. I know it sounds like a broken record, but it helps us reach the world. Whatever you're going through, 
please just remember that this too shall pass. Yeah. Everybody have been a good evening and have a blessed rest of the week. And when you think of me, just think of you can do it. That's what I tell people. If you don't have faith, if you don't believe in God, you don't believe in Jesus. Oh, you better look at me and know because they sure enough told them, nah, she's not going to make it. And I'm here. And I've done everything that they told me that I wouldn't or couldn't do. There you have it. Bye, y'all. We're going to see you next week. Thank you so much. Thank you, Shakara. No problem. Hold on. (laughs) We'll talk later, hon. Bye-bye.